0: Well, good morning, good morning. It is great to be with you again. Uh, Quite honestly and quite frankly, I was not scheduled to be with you here this morning, other than maybe sitting where some of you are sitting, but uh, Pastor Clayton and his wife Kelly are back in, I believe, the Milwaukee area, walking with her father in his final days. So uh, this year, I've tried to make a, I don't know what you would call it, goal, pledge, Instead of just saying, let's pray for them and then just kind of go on with what we're going on, would you join me right now in praying for the Corvers? Heavenly Father, we lift Clayton and Kelly to you. We just lift that entire family as they walk through these final stages of her father's life here on this earth. Lord, we're just thankful and joyful that He knows you, Jesus. We just pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will bring them joy and peace and comfort that just surpasses all understanding. Thank you for who they are as a family, for their witness that they can be and about you and about the comfort that only you can bring. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. So, today we are starting... A new church calendar year. Some of you are probably aware of that. All the discipleship classes and all the different things are starting to launch here either this week or soon after. But one of the things that this is going to look, and I apologize I didn't have a slide for, but you have seen something like this. We've been kind of around this diagram. If you haven't, there's several in the back here. But if you look at, it's kind of got some new colors And if you remember, around the outside, the past while, we've been talking about flourishing in exile. We're changing that up just a little bit because where we're heading with our strategic plan or our overall plan is that we are going to be flourishing and looking at what flourishing in love looks like. Specifically, love for God, love for neighbor, and love for the world. And so today, as we start that process, I get the privilege of setting the table as we start to look at the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're going to spend several weeks, in fact, we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes from this week clear up until Thanksgiving time. I believe that's 12 weeks or real close to it, if not. And what I'm going to ask is a real big ask of all of us. And I know some of you are visitors, and you may not be able to do this, but there's always an online option for you, even if you're visiting. But I'm going to ask that you stay with us for the entire 12 weeks. Mentally, spiritually, stay with us, because this is not a book that we normally go to for our feel-good. It's just a different animal, if I can call it that. And so, let me also set the stage for where we're going to end today. Unlike almost any sermon I think I've ever preached in my life, we're not going to end on this, like, major spiritual high. We're not going to leave fired up and high-fiving. And quite frankly, that's kind of leaving me a little bit uneasy. And I think that's good. I think that's where the Holy Spirit not only wants me, but I think that's where he wants all of us. So I'm kind of giving you that heads up. I'm going to kind of allude back to that a little bit again. But here's why I'm excited about this sermon series. And I think I can speak for the entire teaching team. I think there's going to be some surprises that the Holy Spirit shows to all of us. It may be something different for all of us, but I think there's going to be some surprises. Because one of the things that Ecclesiastes does is it talks about perspective. And I think perspective in the world that we live in right now is maybe good to recapture or to rethink about or to just ponder what our perspective really is. So, like I said, Ecclesiastes is a book. It is an interesting book. Many of us would have to admit that we're maybe at best familiar with maybe a line or two or a verse or two out of, out of, the, entire, out of the entire book, really. You know, there may be just something that jumps out at you that you've heard. Then there's some of us that are old enough that our only recollection of Ecclesiastes comes from way back when, the bird's version of turn, turn, turn. I promised I was going to do everything, turn, turn, turn. Where's my guitar player, Tim? You said you were going to join me. But. <laughs> We will not do any more karaoke. That was my fill of singing to you for the week, so that's maybe it. That's about what I'll be the first to admit. That's about the extent of my understanding, knowledge, and diving into the book of Ecclesiastes. It's so rich, though. It's so good. But here's what's kind of interesting, too. It's got kind of a skeptical bent to it. And in fact, it's kind of harsh and... and Despairing. Some people, I think this is maybe even fair to say, some people even say that the author of Ecclesiastes is often labeled as a depressed pessimist. Hardly my first choice on how I typically like to start my mornings with my own personal Bible study. For some, Probably all of us. It is a little bit discerning, or it's a little bit disorienting, I should say, to think that the God-inspired Bible includes a voice that has such withering skepticism, if we're just really honest. But, 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 I'm thankful that the Bible doesn't shy away from the hard questions, It's okay to ask the big questions. I'm giving all of us permission. It's okay to ask the big questions and to not be afraid of it. It's okay to step back and maybe take a look at your life to reevaluate some things. But anyway, I'm excited to begin this series. Here's a couple of reasons why. I just think this is such a God thing. Kevin plans this way a long time ago, but it's amazing how the Holy Spirit just kind of works things out. Because I think we would all agree that coming out of the last year, year and a half, couple years, that our world has been rocked. We've talked about that seemingly forever. So I think we're at a good place where we can ask questions. And we can continue to ask questions. But I think it's no accident that God's timing is... Having us study Ecclesiastes now, it was really interesting. Side note, teaching team here, the first week as we're getting ready to launch, we're kind of talking through things, and I was talking about perspective a minute ago. It's really interesting because we were talking, and one of our teachers is Tim Brand, and he talks about the perspective of people in Haiti and how they handle life, and then you compare that to the Western world. And then we talked about Afghanistan and Kevin was sharing about how there are some missionaries who they knew full well that if they went to their church service at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, more than likely they would probably be killed. But they were willing to do it. I'm thinking, oh man, there's a lot going on. That somebody, There's a lot of different perspectives. And I think we're being challenged maybe to step back and take a look at ours. But Along those same lines, another thought I had was, as we begin studying, I just love how this book is just real. Because here's what I have noticed. Maybe you've noticed the same thing in some of your conversations with your non-church friends. Maybe even some of your church friends. I think there's a vast, and I think I could even throw a category. Specifically, there's a category of 20-somethings to 40-somethings that quite honestly, if I can be honest with all of us, they're kind of tired of our just pat Christian answers that life is just hunky-dory once you say yes to Jesus. And they're looking around their world going, that ain't happening in my world. Wake up, brother. It ain't happening in your world either. Seems to be... They may not say it quite that bluntly, but that's kind of where they are. So I'm excited because this is going to open up the door. You know what? Life is hard. It is complicated. It is messy. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes we carry heavy burdens. We don't know how we're going to go. There's just glitches to this perfect life that we all would want to try to live in. I think Ecclesiastes is a gift from God that helps us live in the real world. Kind of blows up that make believe world, that thing that that living in fantasy land. Kevin used to, for years, has kind of talked about how you know we sometimes Western Christians live in this idea that we're in a Disneyland of, of life. And for a large part we are. But it kind of pokes at some of that. That's where we're going. It does jolt us. It does make us realize that things are not always neat and tidy and clean, even though we pretend like it is. So my hope and prayer, bottom line. We typically do a sermon in a sentence. Here's my hope and prayer for this day as we start this process. Is that you'll be willing to sit and stay in the uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. That you'll wrestle with the hard questions. If you've ever heard me speak before, one of my favorite quotes, seems like I use it more than I should, but it boy, it just hit me. It's by Jill Briscoe. And she says this. She says, Are you willing to sit on the steps of your soul where nobody goes and in the next 12 weeks and maybe beyond have some conversations with Jesus? So we're going to kick some things off, and I, we as a teaching team, I don't know, many of us are very familiar with the Bible Project video series, they've got some wonderful things, and we just felt like, you know what, we're going to utilize technology, so I'm going to have us watch, it's about, a, about an eight-minute video, great overview of the book of Ecclesiastes, so I'm going to have us just take a moment and just watch the screens if you would. If you brought a Bible or a device, would you open it to Ecclesiastes chapter one with me? Reading from God's word. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear is filled of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look. I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. This is the reading of God's word. So I'm going to kind of break the mood here a little bit, now that I've got us all to a place where, wow, glad we came this morning, I would like us to do just a little bit of discussion with your family, people around you, those of you who are extroverts, pull somebody in if they're by themselves, or if you're just really uncomfortable with that, just ponder this one question to get us started. What are your impressions or experiences with the book of Ecclesiastes prior to this morning? Just be real with each other. We'll just take a minute, maybe a couple, just kind of share with each other. So what were your impressions of Ecclesiastics prior to this morning or your experiences? So just spend a moment or two kind of chatting about that. Well, I didn't hear anybody else singing the bird's song, so maybe that was just me that that was your only, maybe you were just a little more quiet than my microphone allows me to be. But I want to just kind of go back over and hit a couple of the things that stood out to me as I've watched that video a couple of different times because I think it's important for us to lay some of the groundwork as we begin this 12-week adventure in studying the book of Ecclesiastes. So again, as he mentioned in the video, Ecclesiastes is part of what we refer to as wisdom literature in the Bible. And it's kind of interesting because there's, Three books that seem to kind of go somewhat together. They fit pretty well together. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job seem to just kind of fit in a progression, if you will. Because if you think about Proverbs, you think, at least my way of thinking, you think about a young, optimistic person who uses wisdom, and if you use it right, God will honor that, and you can build a good life. There's a lot of do this. And this happens, don't do this, and good thing, so there's a lot of that going on throughout the book of Proverbs. The way I want us to kind of think about Ecclesiastes is if you think about a sharp middle-aged man or woman who's kind of a critic, somebody who says something like, so you think using wisdom is going to bring you success, let's step back and think about that for a minute. So that's kind of where Ecclesiastes come from. And then Job, in my mind, I think of this kind of senior saint, somebody who's lived life and they look back on their life and they share some of the wisdom that's available. Each offering different perspective, each very powerful, but it's kind of interesting how, again, some of our natural tendencies are always to jump to Proverbs because that's just a little easier to read. So I think it's also important, as he said, to understand Ecclesiastes. You need to see that there's a teacher figure. That's the main voice. And he's introduced by another figure who we refer to or we'd like to think about as being the author. So he's the one who's kind of collected all the teacher's words and then at the end of the book summarizes everything and gives the final word. Here's the key point of it all is that the author wants to turn your view My view, completely upside down. So how's he going to do that? As I said, he's going to dive in and he's going to let the teacher explain three rather intense ideas. Three disturbing things about the world. First one is the march of time. We're all just kind of a blimp on the radar of the big spectrum of how long life has been. We're here, and then in a blink of an eye. I know many of you have experienced that in my own family. just My uncle just passed away. We had a funeral. And just like that. We've seen that. We know that. Which leads right to the second one, which is, we are all going to die. As I was thinking about, I'm getting off track here, but... That's okay. Uh, I was thinking about a really cool way to make sure that that hit home. I don't know if you've ever been. Uh, we went a few years back to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. When you go visit that museum, they give you a card with a name on it, and they kind of tell you how things end for you. Most of the, most of the time you see where you're going to die, or sometimes you, you know, and some of that. So my idea this morning, Short sermon. Then I didn't. I ditched this idea. But my idea this morning was going to be, you know what? I'm going to put an envelope with a card on everybody's chair, and it was going to read something like, "You fill in the name, your own name, are going to die," and that was going to be the sermon. (laughs) We laugh, but isn't it kind of interesting how we all know that, but boy, we don't live like we know that. That's where we're going. Then the third thing that the teacher has uh, uh, that wants to explain is life's random nature. Life doesn't always go like we think it's going to, or like it should. There's good people who have troubles. There's good people that things go wrong. There's bad people that seemingly the world they got the world by the tail. Life is full of glitches. And as they said in the video, the author's point is you cannot control anything. But, remember, we're not going to go there today, but I don't want you to leave totally hopeless. I want you in the back of your mind, always remember, there will be a day when the king returns and sets all things right. Keep that in the back of your mind. Interesting, let's look just for a second at a couple of the verses in particular. If you look at verse 2, this is probably the one that... Many of us are somewhat familiar with. I read it out of the NIV where it says, Meaningl- Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Many of us probably grew up, at least I know I did, where it was, would read vanity of vanities. All is vanity. And I'm going, That's okay, i got to be honest. I'm sitting there thinking this morning. I just turned 60. Most of my life. Probably uh, 59 years and a few odd months. Okay, so about a week ago when I started studying Ecclesiastics a little harder, I was totally clueless what vanity, that just didn't make any sense. Because the modern usage is, you know, it's kind of egotism and self-absorption. And I'm going, that, that, that poetic flair just kind of lost me. But in the video, and if you truly understand what the original Hebrew was talking about, Hevel Where it's a mist, it's a smoke, it's a vapor, something that we can't grasp. That starts to make some sense. That makes some sense. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to have another little mini discussion. Everything is vapor. Everything is smoke. I want that to be one of the lasting things that you walk away from today. What does that mean to you? If that, in fact, is a truth, if that is, in fact, the main teaching of today, can you summarize what that might mean to you at this point? And you know what? That might not mean you have an answer. It might mean it just has created more questions, and that's okay. So again, spend a minute, maybe two, again, discussing if you want to find the same person or somebody different. What does that everything is a vapor mean to you? Ready? Ready? Well, the good news is, is that we have a, about 11 more weeks for us to unpack that idea. So that's my encouragement with us to stay with that, because that's really where a lot of the teaching is going to go. But here are a couple of thoughts to kind of prime the pump, if you will, for things that I think and I pulled out of that idea. One is life is short. Kind of what happens when you blow out a candle. The smoke's there, and then it's gone. It vanishes. It vanishes. How long does a puff of smoke last? I was going to, again, create this visual, and I thought it'd just be my luck. I'd have a candle and blow it out and be one of those smokeless candles, and nothing would work right. You can smell it. You can see it. But yet, you can't grab it. It's transient. It's temporary. It vanishes quickly. It comes and it goes. You know, it's kind of interesting. (laughs) Uh, Here's the truth. We all have to come. Nobody really cares about all the great things I did in high school. Okay, there weren't very many, if, if any, but if there were, nobody would really care about all the accolades, all the points I scored. In fact, none of you probably care how many weddings I photographed in my life. None of you, I mean, so the point is, what is the point? To all the time, energy, and effort to what we do. Ecclesiastes forces us to sit in the reality of what it means for our lives to be like a wisp of smoke. Second thing is, life is elusive. Smoke is not just transient, but it's elusive. You can't grab it. You can't grab it and put it in your pocket. you can't take it with it. So Ecclesiastes is a meditation on how life seems to elude our grasp, especially in terms of our lasting significance. We pretend like we're in control. We imagine that we can make a difference. And we spend hours and hours and days and sometimes literally a lifetime doing just that. If you look at verse 3 where Ecclesiastes starts out, he asks the question, what do we gain by all the toil? Then he answers that in the 4 through 10 where he talks about life is repetitive. We gain nothing. He answers his own question. We gain nothing. Just like The rivers keep flowing to the seas, but yet the seas are never full. The wind keeps blowing. And then verse 11 stuck out to me, and this one, again, kind of hits home. It says, no one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Case in point, let's be honest. Some of you may be better than I. Who can remember anything about your great-grandparents? Maybe their name. There's a few of us. Maybe their name. Some of us are blessed to have had more of an opportunity. But I would say the vast majority of us don't really know much of anything about a couple of generations ago, how they lived, what was valuable to them, what was important to them, how they treated people. You may know some of the bare-bones essentials, maybe what's been passed on to you in story, but you don't really know them. Guess what, gang? couple generations from now, if the Lord sees that there are things to last that long, they're really not going to care how many points I scored in basketball in high school. So the chapter concludes then, as I read, where it points out that even pursuing wisdom is meaningless. So here we are. 11 minutes after 10. If I could, it'd be an awkward mic drop and it'd be like, that's it? Yep, that's it. That's where we're going to land today. In kind of a weird, hard place. Because you know what? Life isn't neat and tidy. And we're going to be at a place of discomfort for a while. And that's really kind of strange and different for those of us who are regular churchgoers, Because typically we like to wrap things up in a nice... And that's good. Nice box with a nice bow on it and we can present it and we can go out and conquer the world the rest of the week. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on back up as we finish here. Again, my prayer for all of us. My prayer for all of us as a church family that we will have the courage to stay in this. The courage to ask the hard questions. The courage to stay in the moment of uneasy. Don't just jump ahead to the easy answer that we know that God's gonna set all things right. Have that in your heart, but don't just instantly jump there. I've told a lot of people in the last couple of days as I've prepared, it's almost, if there's a little bit of almost like a Monday, Thursday service feel to this. Where we want you, I don't, I don't wanna just flat out say, we want you to leave here feeling bad, but I kinda want you to be very contemplative, very full of questions at this point. But hang in there. So my question is this. Will you allow yourself to feel the ache of the world's meaningless? And again, I'm going to requote Jill Briscoe. Will you allow yourself to sit on the steps of your soul where nobody goes and have some conversations with Jesus? Conversations that might include things like, what are you cursing? What are you mourning? What are you celebrating? And why are those things important to you? As we close today as an action step, would you be willing to bring your whole self to the altar of Jesus? All your hopes, all your fears, all your doubts, all your questions, all your struggles, all your pain, all your joy, just bring all of it. As we're singing this last song, the coils will be over here serving communion. I'm sure they would pray for you and with you if you would like to do that. But again, I just want you to have some moments while we're singing. Please join in with the singing if you would like or if you feel called, but also have the freedom to just begin that process of sitting on the steps and having some conversations with Jesus.